This recording was made on Goringai country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Friends, we need to address something quick smart. Are you ready? How? How? Okay, I don't even know how to start this. It's actually, you know what it is. It's a really good example of what we were talking about last week. I don't know if people are getting ruder or whether I'm just noticing more rudeness. Oh God, maybe I'm attracting more rudeness. Wow, I'll think about that on my own time. (laughs) But we need to address how rude everybody is. Not everybody. Probably not you. You're probably pretty nice. In fact, you might be really nice because... Not because you're amazing, you're probably amazing as well, but because the common denominator for general courtesy seems to be so fucking low (laughs) that if you say please and thank you, you're probably in the top 0.1% of polite people on earth. I had, I just keep noticing these little, oh, just random interactions that feel so meaningless, should be so meaningless, yet here I am making my secret dark closet recordings to my future self, whinging about it still thinking about it long after they've happened. And I'm talking about walking down a staircase with my bike recently, realizing, oh, there's a couple far my senior climbing the staircase from below. Oh, halfway, there's a little exit point where I'll be able to dash down to, jump out of their way, smile genially as they move past, carry on my merry way feeling good about life. And not only does this couple not say thank you, because I could, we're the only ones there. It's pretty obvious what I've just done, which is an overt demonstration of courtesy. And you might be asking, what were you doing on a staircase holding a bike, Rolls? And good question. But I don't know if you've ever ridden down a staircase on a rigid fixed gear bike with no brakes, but I wasn't game to do it with an elderly couple down the bottom. So actually, you're the psycho for asking that question and insinuating that you would have done that. So anyway, I'm off in the nook and I'm just waiting and I'm ready. Like, I love old people, guys. I love old people. And then this guy and his missus are basically just glaring at me. Just like we both, I made eye contact with both of them. And not only was there not even like, a head nod or a shoulder shrug or just an eyebrow raise, something so minimal to acknowledge that, hey, I'm here too. (laughs) The guy in his speedos, yeah, I was in my speedos at the time. Maybe that was why. I was right, okay, I wasn't just in the middle of the city. (laughs) God, it's amazing anyone listens to this when I paint a story so terribly. I was by the ocean pool about to do some laps and for some reason had gotten ready at the top of the staircase and then because I guess I'm a paranoid motherfucker decided to lock my bike up a bit closer to the pool (laughs) such is my inflated sense of value for what is actually a piece of kind of shit like my bike I've had for 12 years and I didn't put crazy fancy parts on it and stuff but I built it from scratch with reasonable parts that have now degraded or become completely obsolete technology since I got them. So the bike is worth nothing to anyone except me. But because I've had it for so long, even though it represents less than $0 in my bank account, I I would be so devastated if anything happened to it. And I think about it all the time while I'm riding it. I'm like, oh, I love this thing. This, this machine. I've been everywhere with this machine. Maybe this, because I think vehicles are time machines. 
We've talked about this at some point in the past. Maybe I was just talking about it with Pete. But I think about how many kilometers I've put on this bike. I reckon it's over five figures by now. And what those kilometers represent is a distance that I shouldn't have been able to cover as a human being with the anatomy I was born with. But because we're clever monkeys and we make robots and machinery and stuff to just accelerate our evolution, it's like time traveling because suddenly I get to spend time in places so far apart that kind of should have been inaccessible, but because of planes and cars and bicycles, I can just cheat time. So anyway, these are the kind of rabbit holes that I'm thinking of while I was cycling in clothing on the way to swim some laps at the ocean pool. Still thinking about it as I got ready, still thinking about it as I locked up the bike and then walked away from the bike and thought, actually, I can't see it from the pool. Um, how will life continue if it's gone when I get back? Uh, and so anyway, I found myself on a staircase in speedos, holding my bike over my shoulder, making a big effort. Maybe this couple thought I was hitting on them or something because speedos are just like, wasn't it in just like the 1970s or something? You couldn't wear a bathing suit on Manly Beach? No, that must have been sooner than the 70s. It was a long time ago, but not that long ago. Maybe yesterday, maybe long enough ago that this old couple experienced it <laughs> and speedos are just an outrage. Bikinis, just an outrage. Going to the beach is a disaster because it betrays all of their moral values and rules of the past. And maybe that's why they're walking away from the beach. But anyway, locked eyes with me, no acknowledgement. And I just thought, that was fucking rude. <laughs> uh, but is it? Are my expectations too high or has this whole dynamic of noticing things more or are they becoming more prevalent starting to actually distort my already complicated, shall we say, interpretation of reality? So who knows? But it happened again, like not that long after that. I picked up another old bloke, by the way, still love old people because you have to. And because most of them are really lovable. But another old bloke who dropped his AirPods and started bending down almost in like Yoda slow motion because I gather 93 years of spinal compression was catching up to the poor fella. So I knelt down really quickly, grabbed them, handed them out to him. Here you go, fella. And he looked me in the eye, veritably snatched them out of my hand and then bug it off. <laughs> and I had the same thought. That's pretty fucking rude. <laughs> and so what, like, what does that leave me, guys? Should I keep trying? Or are these people just so deep in their... Is it just being deep in their own existence? And can I really blame them for that? I believe we raised this um, in a podcast not long ago. Um, similar sort of vibe as this one, you know, dissecting the true meaning of the universe, um, being a accurate representation of the forefront of science and everything, everything that self-talk podcast is about. Um, and we raise the topic of if you're not smiling at somebody, you're glaring at them and you are. And if you're wondering to yourself, oh, I hope I don't glare at people. Do I smile at people? If you don't know that about yourself, you probably don't smile at people. So probably try, try really hard because it's amazing. It's the simplest demonstration that you are living in Harry Potter. Magic does exist because you can just have this crazy interaction with no words, no exchange other than a raising of your lips and maybe a twinkling of your eyes if you actually mean it. 
and you can just do that. And it's like, you don't even need a wand. You just use your face <laughs> and you look at someone and you go, hey, and just like a cheeky look or a smile or something positive and watch what it does to that person's face. And it's literally like a spell. It's like a, it's like we're in the thing and the lights are going and the cloaks are cloaking and everybody's screaming, but it's all very romantic at the same time. And, and it's real. The magic is real. You're in Hogwarts and you're a fool if you haven't tried this and you don't think you're in Hogwarts. Try it because it's real. And if you're not smiling at someone, you are glaring at them. You're glaring. And I think that's all these people have been doing to me. And also they've all been old. Actually, no, one of them wasn't old because I held a door open for a bloke my age recently. And he just like, same thing, but worse because he held the eye contact just for a beat longer than was fleeting. And, and it's like he staunched me. He may as well have like just grabbed my scrotum and held it in his hands in front of me and just like held the icon. That's the, I mean, that, I know that was like, that was the vibe. And I don't know, it stung. I was like, oh, bro, what the fuck? Like, what is with that? Where, what is, if you had a bad childhood or something and that's why you do this? Because like, that's, fuck man, that's not, I get it. Like, I'm sorry for you, but that's also not my fault. And there's nothing we can do about it from here in the future from when it happened. So how about rewriting the rest of the script and not projecting that sort of shit? I, I, this is the, I shouldn't think about these things, should I? These should just come and go and I should just be, I should, I should, maybe I should barely notice them. So what does that mean? So it means maybe these people are just too deep in their own existence and I'm too far away from mine or something. What an indictment. Hopefully it's not. But I'm really glad that we got this urgent bulletin item out of the way in this evening's transmission because that was an urgent piece of news to get across. And I guess the moral of it is I'm going crazy. <laughs> no, already crazy. Um, I don't know if you did your homework and you... Um, looked up some Chef Ramsay, but guys, let me tell you, the sound gourd, <laughs> the sound gourd, yes! <laughs> the soundboard of Gordon Ramsay, aka the sound gourd, has grown. You cannot watch this man without learning something about climate change, if you're me, apparently, because that's how obsessed your brain is. Um, but it's like this guy, he just, he doesn't even care about administering it, but he's the most powerful motivational speaker in the world. But his real passion is food. Maybe not though. Maybe that's his whole game is that he's risen to the top of the game in food to be able to live his true passion, which is <laughs> screaming and screaming at people and also just swearing like it's nobody's business. Like he doesn't have a grandma who would wince after hearing him say the word fuck, but he throws it around. It's so much more than a word. Like here, I made a super cut of maybe two minutes of a Gordon Ramsay episode. And here's how many times it comes up. Fuck me. Fuck me, do I need sunglasses? Uh, fuck me. <laughs> well, fuck me. Holy fuck. Fuck me. <laughs> I'm gonna get some fresh air. Fuck me. He's got so much contempt for people that don't care. And I've just been having a ball pulling out little, because I, I feel he is literally now my conservation coach. He's my climate change coach. <laughs> Chef Gordon Ramsay 
is my climate change coach, which is why we have a sound gourd, because everything that the man says can be attributed to our position on planet Earth right now. Like, listen to this grab from an episode where he's talking about some restaurant that's in the toilet, but pretend he's not. Pretend he's talking to you personally and me because I'm standing right there next to you and everyone else in your life slash the world standing behind you because he's talking to all of us, ready, about climate change. The situation's dire and I don't think he's gripped reality in terms of how fucked he is. And he said, well, if it closes, it closes, but it's everybody else he's bringing down with him through his own fucking stubbornness. Isn't that it? Like... I don't know if you closed your eyes then or not and maybe swooned a little bit, but if you're like me, you did both of those things because it is just, it is such verbal savagery in the description of how far the human being's head in the sand syndrome is right now about climate change. And it's not about the restaurant closing down. Oh, the restaurant is planet Earth. Hopefully you didn't need me to point that out for you this deep into the analogy, but that's it. That's, that's it. You can't eat there anymore. I don't care how good their halloumi and mushroom burger was. I don't. I really don't. Sorry. Neither do they because it's not there anymore and also because you're not hungry anymore or also because you don't exist anymore because the world exploded because of climate change. Yeah? Um, and that's the science. That's the science. And I'm pretty sure explode is the verb that the IPCC recommends using other scientists, sorry, recommends other scientists to use, such as myself, um, in describing this phenomenon. Um, yeah, it's not going to explode like, I don't know, a, a car bomb or something. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was thinking about like James Bond then, guys, not the Middle East. But like car bomb is one of those words that now is just so black in the psyche that you can't say it without certain attributions. How horrible. But that's not how the world's going to explode. It's it's going to be bit by bit like a rash just starting to cover the earth and then eventually just it just scales out because there's no water left or, or, or something. and And that's it. That's got me all excited now. <laughs> Is that what I've just done for you? Did I just make you excited with my positive outlook of what's moving forward? And also, how good is that grab? That's got me all excited now. You know why that's such a cool grab as well? Is because Gordon, um, as you will probably guess by now, represents the second half of what I'm about to say, which is that it's not fucking over yet. It's not finished. Yes, the restaurant is going down the toilet. Yes, the people in charge don't realize and are doing nothing but looking after themselves and forcing junior staffers to stroke their big fat egos. Big, <laughs> huge, huge. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, there's other people in the restaurant. The chefs haven't given up. The wait staff haven't given up. Customers are still coming in the door. And that's why I was thinking about how kind of inflammatory it was for me to say last week that Gordon Ramsay does the work of Jesus Christ. But I've been thinking a lot about that too. And I really stand by that because that's my interpretation of who Jesus Christ was, is the epitome of human perfection in terms of decision-making, empathy, not being a jerk, all the good stuff, right? And so your Jesus when you make the right call. So Gordon Ramsay is Jesus in performing miracles out there, in salvaging these doomed operations by picking out these little bright sparks of 
fucking joy and talent and creativity and just commitment. He finds somebody there always, every episode. Might be the janitor, might be the daughter who's just stepped in to try and help her mum out and turns out loves cooking. And then suddenly just gets this one-on-one tuition with Gordon Ramsay for a week. And then he just like, he activates people. That's what Jesus did, right? He performed miracles to activate people. And it's not all like, he doesn't just love screaming. Like I rudely said about Chef Ramsay, like he's he's like when it's, he does that because when it's positive, it's so good. Listen to this. Like it's him and one of these people who it's not their fault, but they're doomed to suffer with the restaurant. And he's found this girl and he's fired her up and he's taught her how to cook a soup and they go and try it. Yeah, and that's where I got that grab, which is just pure gold. But it's cool that he says stuff like that. And he like you see the look on people's faces when they've managed to impress this guy who's made a career out of telling people to fuck off a centimeter away from their face, and they're so stoked. And that, my dear, is fucking delicious. The best. The best. Um, I probably need to start talking about what's been going on in my life other than watching Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in and um, cheers. I'll see you next episode. <laughs> no, okay, no, I have been doing some other stuff and it's basically just been surfing. That's all I've been doing. And, and that's been awesome. That's been awesome. And I guess that's where I've been doing all of this obscure thinking about people who I deem to have been rude to me, but who for them, I probably didn't even exist. Um, but the surf's just been awesome. And I had, I had this awesome experience just not yesterday, but the day before waves were absolutely pumping. And I've, there's this thing in the surf, actually, probably not just the surf, probably everywhere. And that's why surfing's awesome is because it is just this microcosmic representation of the entire species. Um, probably happens everywhere. Definitely happens in the surf. Things, there's like, okay, I don't really know how to say this and I'm just going to come right out with it. There's a few like fake bra boys walking around, paddling around. Maybe, I don't know if that'll make any sense to anybody. But there's like, there's a certain brand of bloke who will like tat himself up and then puff his chest out and then pretend to be a, you know, a gangster of some description, even though he had a very privileged white picket childhood. And it's kind of like, you can kind of see who the real ones are and who the fake ones are. Um, And this thing happened the other day and like, Hey, whatever you think about the bra boys, you have to respect that tattoo. You have to. You have to, like, f- from the bare just appreciation of body art and, I guess, commitment. Like, think about the Japanese mafia, right? The Yakuza, and they've got those amazing bodysuits on, but you can't see them if they're wearing suits. And then, like, once a year or something, they walk down the Ginza in their underpants and everyone gets to see the art and stuff. And it's incredible. And you, th- you think, like, okay, well... I mean, no commentary on the ethics of the Japanese mafia's business protocols and what have you, but I respect the body art. I do. It's fucking sick. It's so sick. And same goes for the bra boys with that massive brotherhood tap that they all run. Because no, like think about your own best friends, right? Like no matter what you think about the bra boys, I think about my own best friends. And even if we had a huge night on the tins and then at the end, we're all like loving each other, like boys, we should all get a tap. 
<laughs> and then I'd be like, ooh, okay. Um, hopefully I haven't obliterated too many brain cells to have a, a sensible conclusion for my lifestyle to this conversation that we're about to have. Okay, what do you think? What are you thinking? And if one of my mates suggested some little like tough sticker on my ankle or something, I'm probably going to get in a, an Uber. I'm probably getting in an Uber and I'll probably go to the cross with him at 3.30 in the morning and I'll probably get it done. Um, but if he suggested a massive brotherhood tat from my shoulder blades through my chest or some other equivalently sized um, tattoo, I'd be like, fuck, man, I need to think about this. <laughs> At the very least, I think I'm being very charitable to myself in suggesting that I wouldn't just outright say, hey, man, no. <laughs> But whatever, you know, if you, whatever you think about the bra boys, you respect that tat because that's a bunch of fellas who were like, no, we're doing it. And so they know a fucking thing or two about love. That's the very first thing you, you that's sort of like, that's what I think to myself when I hear or watch movies or docos or hear news articles and shit about like bikey gangs or anything like that, that all of the tats and all of the tribalism attached to it i sort of i acknowledge i recognize that very first i'm like holy shit here's a group of people who are committed like they're right or die they're going to the very end with this other group of people and they're so committed to the the lifestyle and the the other members around them that they'll go this distance to live their whole lives and so straight away i mean it strikes me as non-standard human behavior and i look at it in in a I'm impressed by that before, I, you know, obviously then if there's crime and stuff happening, I'm not, I, I don't do that much crime. I'm not that into it. So, so like it doesn't really resonate with me and stuff, but like definitely I respect the commitment to one another. So anyway, out in the surf the other day, it's absolutely pumping and I got a wave, I'm paddling back out and I, I spotted a bloke, everyone's rubbered up and I spotted a bloke in boardies with, covered in tats. And being pretty loud and pretty, you know, whatever. And I was like, ooh, okay, here's some sort of... Like that, if you don't surf, that's pretty... I'd say actually rare behavior because most people in the surf, I guess if especially if they're surfing alone, they're pretty quiet. And like when I'm on my own, I, don't, I go out to surf to be on my own. So I'm not really... Like when I run into people, I know I'm stoked and stuff to catch up, but... I'm very happy to go surfing by myself and very happy to just sit in silence for like three hours. Um, so it's pretty rare when you see someone making a lot of noise who, as we discussed last week, is not 10 um, years old, that is. And so this bloke, I, I noticed, and I was like, oh, here's someone making a bit of noise. I wonder if this is a fake bra boy, basically, because I felt like I'd seen so many of them in my local neighborhood recently. And I feel, I don't know, when... When they're, I don't know, when there's like too nice of a fade or something, they've been to the barber and they care a little bit too much about their facial appearance. No, don't insult people, Rolly. Don't insult potential or imposter gangsters. No, this has nothing to do with anything. Um, I was interested to know if this was a, a fake or a real bra boy. Sure, sure enough, I noticed the tat when I was like, I guess, 30 meters away. And I was like, damn, that's a real one fucking earth and it just like straight away i'm just like dude i want to i want to know about this guy's life i almost feel sometimes this impulse to just this is what this is the only thing standing between me and a straight jacket and a padded room is the fact i don't execute <laughs> on this impulse but there's certain people who arrive 
into my you know existence into my surroundings that I just like I want to walk up I want to talk I want to break through the barrier of us being strangers so that I can start finding shit out about how this person has lived their life and I'm like I think that's why I do a podcast that eventually has other people on it <laughs> real nice because I really want to just it makes me that's what makes me tick is knowing what other people tick what what makes what makes other people tick makes me tick. Present tick. Um, and so anyways, but I didn't. I didn't paddle up to this bloke in a busy lineup and just announce um, uh, an interview at, at random. Um, but anyway, I was just sat, I sat up and I was like waiting for a wave and everything. And suddenly he starts bellowing. And sure enough, this huge set wave comes in. And he just, he just starts going, yep, yep, yep. And he's just paddling. And like, I'm so fine letting people that do that go. That's fine. You want it that badly? Have it. Have it. I will get off on watching you ride it and watching you be happy. Like that'll be, it won't be as much stoke as riding it myself, but it's like, it's on the bus. So anyone who's like that invested, I'm like, get it. You go, go for it. And then I realized the direction that he was paddling in was very beneficial to me. Because he's suddenly paddling through like quite a busy lineup, cutting off a lot of people who were like inside him. So it was rightfully his wave to be paddling in this direction. But I was sat a little bit deeper in what I deemed to be actually a better place to take off on a rather fast, hollow looking wave. So I thought I'm actually going to take off behind because he's paddling so far away from where I can get it. And so sure, and, and and I've got the privilege of him calling off everyone else who might drop in on me. So then he took off and I've taken off behind him and we both just start racing and racing down the line. And then it kind of opened up and I got a few turns away behind him and he had no idea I was there. And it was just, it was this like, I got maybe three or four turns on a wave behind this like big fella who I was just so captivated by and like, I had the tat, you know, and anyway, we got all the way to the end. He still didn't see me both kicked out. And I just thought like, that is one of the coolest waves I've ever surfed because it's the ultimate in efficiency. It's the ultimate in sustainability in a crowded lineup <laughs> is sharing. And I'm so quick to forget that when I really, really feel selfishly about a good wave that I'm in position for. And, but it's always so good to share a wave. If both of you know it's happening, you can share a wave. And then it, I think it's so much better than surfing a normal wave, than surfing a wave by yourself. It's just both people have to know about it. That's, that is literally the single time when problems happen in the surf is when people either don't see somebody or do see somebody and decide to be a prick. Um, but I guess the moral of this story, there's a couple. I guess the first obvious one is that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a bra boy now. And the second one is that perfect surf is this flawed philosophy that I th I've been thinking about. That I, I, I think a lot about shit that gets bandied about a lot as buzzwords or as accepted references to certain commonalities. And the thing like she'll be right, we've talked about that. 
how I think, whoa, I mean, like that's an attitude that's kind of letting Australia down in terms of our climate change outlook and in terms of our desire to do better and to be better and to be on the right side of history when in 30 years we're looking back about how enthusiastic people were to start contributing to a cleaner world and realise that Australia was still investing in fossil fuels and stuff. I think she'll be right has a lot to do with that because we hear our pollies just kind of lie to us or say such spin-doctored comments like, we're going to meet our emissions reductions targets in a canter and not include the fact that that is entirely contingent upon a credit that we have, I think from the Kyoto Protocol or something. There's basically some backwards accounting to being able to say that statement. And it's the like it's like clean coal or natural gas. That's another really good one we've talked about. Like everything's natural or nothing's natural, but it, it suggests that gas is an environmentally friendly energy source. And I've been thinking about perfect surf and the idea of those two words being this thing that as surfers, we're just obsessed with finding. And it's kind of like a representation of, I guess, human spirituality at large in that we're living here on the planet hoping that we do a good enough job to get to heaven when we get buried in it, I guess. And it's like surfers just constantly running around whinging about conditions. And I'm referring to myself here, by the way, for being so guilty of this, um, but trying to get better at it. But we whinge about conditions. We have this definition of perfect surf as only when the surf is X size and shape and the wind is offshore in direction, there is a perfect swell angle and period for whatever break. I'm on the dream board. Like there's so many variables and we forget that surfing is perfect by definition. Surfing, like any surf is perfect surf. That's literally this sort of mantra thing that's become embedded in my regular prayers when I paddle out every surf. And I just think like every surf is perfect because if I'm surfing, I'm surfing. Oh my God. That means life is so sorted out for me that I don't have to worry about where I'm going to get some food. I don't have to worry about whether I'm earning enough money to buy the food. Like I've got this window carved out in my schedule to do nothing except play. Be so fucking zen that any opportunity to do that is perfect. It's perfect surf. And so like this, I was thinking about this in this surf session with my best bra boyfriend um, who doesn't know I exist, but that was pretty perfect surf that day. It was three to four foot. The wind was offshore. The crowd wasn't too bad considering the time of day. Tide was good. Banks were good. Board choice was good. Everything was just like I was absolutely having a ball and realizing, man, yes, this is perfect surf, but every this could have been slop, which it was for about the three or four days previous. And holy shit, actually, have I, how have I forgotten this until now? Oh my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> fuck. Okay, we'll come back to perfect surf. Or maybe I'm about to tell you um, uh, a really good example of why the concept of perfect surf is rubbish. Wow, what a cool opportunity this is, guys. You know what we're doing right now? This is why this is a science podcast. Self-talk science podcast because we're going to run a real life experiment right now i've just announced something about the world that i think apparently and we're going to put it to an immediate test of an experience i very recently had so you and i will find out together whether every surf is perfect surf um 
after <laughs> okay so okay so i went surfing the other day and i put my wedding on at work and i put it on halfway so that i could run a couple of blocks to the sand um without steaming my bollards off and um so this wetsuit by the way i've not had for terribly long and also didn't buy the truth is that i pulled this wetsuit out of the bin um, because I put it in that bin, having collected it from a surf shop um, who collected it on my behalf from someone who donated their old suit in when they bought a new one. So I've been doing wetsuit recycling in New South Wales for the last three or four years or something. Basically, I went into a bunch of surf shops in my local area, about five hours of coast worth from the south coast up to Newey, and said, hey, um, no one does re- wetsuit recycling, so... I'm doing it. Can you just mention that to people when they buy a new suit to drop their old one off? Give me a call when it's there and I'll come and get it. And it's been awesome. So this wetsuit was a donated used wetsuit, slightly too big for me, but amazing quality, right? Really brand new, like maybe last year suit and it's zipperless. And I've never had a zipperless wetsuit before, but it's one of, it's just got enough flexibility in the panels that there's no chunky zipper anywhere. You just sort of fold it over yourself, um, which took me a really long time to learn how to do, (laughs) which is an important preface for the following story. So I've put the thing halfway on after work and gone running out to the surf, so frothing to be able to surf straight after work before it gets too dark and get to the beach, for some reason put my leggy straight on before I did the rest of the wetsuit up. And this is Manly Beach at 4.30 p.m. So peak hour, beginning of peak hour basically for people running up and down the beachfront. And I'm there stood on the sand, ready to put my shoulders on and then realize, oh, I've put this wetsuit on in such a way that I've stuck my legs through the neck panel or the wrong panel or something, which basically means I cannot put it on without first taking it all off. (laughs) And so, and I realized, and I was like, no, no, I didn't do that to myself. No one's that thick. Um, and then realized I did. And so I was so excited. The sun setting, the waves were, there was some waves trickling. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I just want to get in. So what I did is just, and I already had my leg rope on. And I was so self-conscious of like, well, hey, not committing a crime by just getting nude on Manly Beach. Um, and also just like, I'd already got my leggy on. It's, I'm riding a beaten up board, but the thing's bright pink. So like, I could see myself sitting somewhere watching myself do all this and then just start laughing. And I didn't want that version of myself slash all the other people at Manly to laugh at me. So I just went for it. And that was, I got taught that lesson so fucking fast that the thing I was afraid of is exactly the thing that happens when you make stupid decisions. And so I've tried to put this wetsuit on and it's only come halfway up each shoulder. So it's looking like some strapless, um, cocktail dress or something <laughs> across basically my chest and around my shoulders into this, I guess, fashionable V down my back where all the panels were all fucked up. And I was like, who cares? It's on now. I've got to go now. So I jumped in and of course the thing just fills up with water immediately. <laughs> And so, and so I got one wave and then came off full of water. I was like, fuck, I can't do this. Um, I can't do this. The dunny's so far away. I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to do it. And I took that wetsuit off underwater in the middle of Manly Beach 
Was I wearing my Speedos? No, of course I wasn't. (laughs) Did I forget to take my leg rope off? Yes. Yes, I did. You bet I did. (laughs) And so like 30 meters offshore, I'm naked underwater at Manly in the blazing sunshine, trying to disentangle my inside out wetsuit from my leg rope, turn the wetsuit inside out and then try and put it back on underwater without my board drifting away. <laughs> and and you know what happened? I was so preoccupied with this task, which it was fucking Mount Everest by that stage, that I was kept doing it, I kept doing it, and then before I knew it, felt sand on my bum <laughs> and realized, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> I drifted all the way in. So I was like literally like five meters from people like jogging up and down the hard sand. So I started and still so starkers. <laughs> so I started like pushing myself away from the shore, trying to get further out. Eventually got the thing on. And I think it might have taken me 25 minutes end to end. And and you might have one more question for me, which is, hey, Rolls, did you put it the right way on? Hey, of course I didn't. <laughs> I put the suit on inside out as well. So I'm paddling back out with the knee patches over the backs of my knees. All Everything's so fucked up about a wetsuit when you put it on the wrong way around. Not just like inside out, but the wrong way around. <laughs> and you wouldn't think that. Like I didn't think that. I wouldn't have thought that before it happened to me because I would have thought, yeah, it's just, it just looks pretty symmetrical. It's not. It's so not. I was sitting at the back with like... I couldn't, like, like, my shoulders were so pulled back. Like, I couldn't really, like, it was, like, my posture was excellent, I suppose, because <laughs> my shoulder blades are just getting rammed back towards each other by the natural shape of, I guess, like, my shoulders when I'm hunched around a board paddling when I'm wearing my wetsuit correctly. Then, I mean, I had so much space in the front. My ass, it was so tight around my, my rump. And then my equipment in the front was just floating around in this, like, cavernous... <laughs> neoprene pool where where my butt's supposed to be and anyway like i got maybe three waves that session and then is that perfect surf (laughs) maybe it is maybe it is because the obvious answer is um rolls do you talk to anyone professional like you know in in a clinical psychological context and hey wow that's a pretty personal question um but probably a pretty fucking good one um no the question is was that perfect surf? And, and yeah, it was. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I got exactly what I needed out of that surf. I got taught the lesson to slow the f- fudge down. Slow the flick down, mate. Because I think I've been moving. I think I move too fast sometimes because I get too excited about the surf. And then I always find myself out there with like a loose fin that I forgot to check or maybe just standing on the beach with the wetsuit that I have to take off fully because I stuck both legs through the neck hole. I think that was it. And I think that's why it's perfect surf is because that, that was the lesson I needed. Like, dude, slow down sometimes. It relax. Like it's, you're going surfing. There's nothing. It's not going anywhere. The beach is not going anywhere. It's coming closer to you, remember? (laughs) Because there's more and more water in it every day. And I still rushed. And I just should have taken my time. I should have breathed. And, you know, the surf wasn't even that good. So I should have just gone to the dunny and taken the suit straight off and give myself an extra 20 minutes of not potentially getting arrested on Manly Beach. Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ.
<laughs> Can't believe this is out in the airwaves now. Um, and um, um, do you think I did it again? Do you think that the next time I went surfing, I did that same thing again? Or do you think that, oh, no, there's no fucking way anyone is that dumb not to be as meticulous as they possibly can trying to get the thing on, then get so deep in their own head of how it's supposed to work that they make the same terminal error again. And, and hey, you'd be fucking wrong, dude, because I did do it again, okay? I did. I did. That is now officially part of what is possible as a human being, okay? Add it to your Pokédex. This, this, this is what some of us do, because I did it again. I did it again. Can you believe that? I got to the beach <laughs> and I was I, I like, I'd been so careful in putting the lower half on thinking, okay, don't fuck this up because like we cannot have a repeat. And got down there and then realized, and I was like, no, no, how am I this person? And, and I, it, you know why? It's because I didn't pay attention to the lesson from the last time. And yeah, I was meticulous, but I was also so excited because the surf was cooking this time. And I should have realized like, hey, it doesn't matter what the surf's doing. Breathe. I should have, I should have realized and I didn't. And I guess like it's some consolation that I didn't repeat the nudity exercise and I went straight to, um, the dunnies in the clubby and and I soaked myself in the beautiful aroma of those places and and I got naked there instead in a cubicle <laughs> uh, and then and then I went surfing and it was fucking awesome so so that's been um god how good is surfing hey like this is why it's just it's such a it's such an eternal preoccupation if you're not doing it you're thinking about it when you're doing it, you're wondering how you could do it better or get more out of the experience. And there, therein lies this dilemma of perfect surf. Because if you're surfing right at that moment, life is, life is perfect. Life is perfect. If you're surfing like I do somewhere with great civil liberties and you can do it whenever you want, bam, perfect surf. And if maybe you're surfing even more than this, how about people who whinge about and by people, me, definitely done this how about people who whinge about going on a surf trip and apparently getting skunked <laughs> going traveling somewhere having the luxury of being a visitor from somewhere like this with civil liberties to somewhere that doesn't i don't know mozambique or something or the far-flung corners of indonesia um and then and then you're getting skunked waves of shit house yeah no it was rubbish trip trip was a failure trip sucked because because the surf didn't get over two foot or something and it's like no, you were in the tropics. You were not working. You were you were a tourist, and being a tourist is such a fucking privilege. That was perfect surf. You did you you blew it. You didn't realize. <laughs> you should have realized. Like if you get to surf and not worry about being able to like feed yourself, or whether your sick missus has access to medication and stuff like that. Okay, perfect surf right there. And it's just so funny for like some people to just get so pissed off so deep in their in their pissed offness about like oh i'm riding the wrong board yeah or or just like oh yeah winds winds just swung oh fucking winds just getting into it now eh? like i've been out two hours been pretty good just felt the wind get into it now eh? oh you just paddled out oh shame like so there's all this like pissed off flexing that goes on out there and it's just like hey man um tap nose you got tap nose in a meeting Wow, you must have been surfing recently. Yes, was it perfect? I bet it was because surfing's perfect. 
I don't know if this is if this is getting through, but I'm just getting off on it right now. I just can't get enough surfing. Well, fuck me. Holy fuck. Fuck me. I know. I read your thoughts, and then and then I realised that I had a sound a, a clip on my sound gourd that had your thoughts verbatim when you look down and you realize how long you've been listening to me just talk about absolute nonsense and you just think, holy fuck, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I guess just thanks. Thanks for listening. Amazing. And we should probably talk about, God, I love my sound gourd. It just covers all bases because when you and I encounter bullshit in the future, we're going to have... We're going to have a response like we're going to have like if we're hearing about how Australia is going to meet our carbon emissions reductions targets in a canter and then we and then we hear that it's only because we have these antiquated and kind of redundant now given the urgency of the current situation climate credits from some former agreement then then we get to just like we've got a response that's not good enough for excuse Nick. <laughs> I love that one. How much contempt is in is in the gap and then when he just spits out the guy's name. Nick. <laughs> and it's just like us. We've now got an answer for when we encounter things like Australia's gas-led COVID recovery. Because we have the economic fortune in the ground to be able to fuck the rest of the world over for eternity but buy ourselves another five years, I guess, of um, playing at the poker table with the big boys. And we we shake our heads and we're like, Angus Taylor, hey. That's not good enough for excuse. Angus. Right? Like, like, Scotty, you're in Hawaii because, yeah, you need time off. But, I mean, it took you a little while to get back here, fella. Oh, yes, I will. Uh, it's just that... Uh... Jenny... Uh, and my girls, we had a booking at the Ala Moana and 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 a round of eighteen book for the following day. It was a it was a package deal that there was no refund for. That's not good enough for excuse, Scotty. Come on, dude. Like, uh, anyway, um, at least we've got the sound gourd ready for these situations, don't we? And. Every time that we hear BS on this podcast now, and and things that just don't Presentate. properly, we're going to be able to just respond without without with a full might of chef ramsay <laughs> i love the people who are so far in denial because that's 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 us guys right now with the way the world's going and our resistance to ma- like massive genuine significant behavioral changes we we are we are the fat texan woman who's just like there is just no please in him Chef Ramsay, he he just don't seem to like anything. He don't like the food. He don't like the decor. I just can't for the life of me understand why. It's like, hey, hey, <laughs> look around. You're doing a shit job and you're being called out for it. And it's just, the denial is just, it's so, it's so symbolic in 2021 for us. Because I'm speechless sometimes as well, even though you wouldn't think so because of what we just said earlier about making secret recordings in the dark closet and everything. Um, <laughs> but like Gordon Ramsay's pretty speechless sometimes as well. Like someone served him. I remember what episode someone served him some filet mignon on a roof tile and literally a literal actual roof tile propped over a candle 
<laughs> and the dish is called the flaming tsunami <laughs> and they just drown it in garlic butter and and it runs down the roof tile <laughs> and he's just sat there speechless just mouth agap bottom lip just in this endless like fuck me fuck me you can hear the fuck me it's in there but it just can't come out because he's so speechless <laughs> he just cares so much and that's what we need to do. He cares about people not caring and and so do I and so do you because you're so far into this podcast now that you must. You we must that must be the one thing that all of us share no matter what else it is you get out of listening to me um, melt my brain <laughs> with a microphone here. The one common denominator that you know that you have with every single other person listening is that you all care. You all care and you're all like, shit, I need to do everything I can do because you're choosing to listen to this at the, at the expense of God, in literally infinite alternatives as far as what you could be filling your brain with right now. You've chosen to listen to me and Gordon and it means that you hate that people don't care as well. So thank you for being someone who cares. Thank you for listening to this. Literally, I'm just like, I'm so full of gratitude for everything about it, even though um, like the, the the grabs that resonate are like full blown just. Fuck me. fuck me, do I need sunglasses? Uh, fuck me. <laughs> I love that one. Well, fuck me, holy fuck. You can you can fully hear him about to gag in that one, eh? Uh, fuck me. <laughs> well, fuck me, holy fuck. Fuck me. Like even though even though there's a lot of like fuck me's going on. You're listening to this because you're like me and you're just like, hey, oi, no way are we at like just constant fuck me level yet. There's still so much fun stuff going on. There's still so much opportunity to turn the ship around. And yeah, I'm listening to the UN's report about how how much stuff we should have done yesterday, basically, because that seems to be all climate change news is about, um, is the mistakes of the past and, and I guess the present as well. Um, but that doesn't mean it's over yet. We're playing the whistle here on self-talk. You and me, we're playing the fucking whistle. And we're just not afraid to enjoy every last second until, well, whatever happens, happens. I would be remiss uh, this episode if I didn't acknowledge uh, an extremely important news headline. I don't know if this was on the BBC or the ABC, or it was probably everywhere because it was a really big, really important one. And um, like you, I, I can't remember when we talked about news, but news is just this constant challenge for me. I don't know about you, but I'm just like, how much of this shit should I consume? Because there's no information like consumption guidelines about well there is no because there is an information consumption guidelines out there and i know that consuming negative information even if it's current affairs is harming my mental health but i'm pretty keen to know what's going on around the world and not just plunge my melon shoulder depth into the sand so it's just this balance of how much do i want to know and it takes a lot for me to click a headline these days. Like I see some headlines and I, I just like, I can't. Like I saw a news headline the other day and I remember this as well, word for word. Sydney man jailed for samurai sword killing of rapper after home invasion. And, and, and I'm just like, cool, that's enough words about that for me. I don't need to know anymore. Because like that's, 
it's just it's kind of sick at that point in time to put that information in your head when it's going to be pretty irrelevant to you. The most important thing for me from a news article like that is, hey, that happened. It's a real thing. It made the news. A bloke died with a samurai sword in him um, and he and he used to spit rhymes. And I'm sure there's some character-filled drama behind it. But the most important thing for me who has nothing to do with it <laughs> is that it happened. That is now something I acknowledge is capable, a thing we're capable of doing. That is now uh, exists across the human spectrum of existence. Cool, enough. Don't need to click it. And then... Every now and then, you get like a really crazy important headline that you do need to click. And that was this one. And and it's this. Byron Bay Netflix reality series about hot Instagrammers has locals embarrassed and angry. So I can't remember, like I said, I can't remember if that, like I'm looking at the ABC version of it here, but I can't remember if I first saw it um it might have been in a UN email, actually, because I'm pretty sure, obviously, that's top of the agenda um, for 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 that for that crew. And um, but anyway, like, how excited is Rolls about this? Very yes. And you know what the most exciting thing about this article is? Not just that there is some more local reality series content coming my way, but it's the fact that all through this article. Um, <laughs> Is, is, is one of my favorite words. In a Netflix press release, the series Byron Bays, spelled B-A-E-S, by the way, <laughs> is described as a docu-soap following a feed of hot Instagrammers living their best lives, being their best selves. Oh, I don't know if I can finish this now. There's too much bile in my mouth. Creating the best drama, which is like crossed out for some reason, content, hashtag no filter guaranteed. And, 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 and kind of as revolting as I find that as a synopsis, <laughs> I'm also beside myself with excitement to watch it. This is basically Towie coming to Australia. I'm, I'm pumped. I can't wait for this. And yeah, anyway, it was one of those headlines that was just so essential to click. And here's another one. Ready? Government's own report raises questions about coal seam gas proposal near contaminated site where this whole gas led recovery thing is just it's it beggars belief. It beggars belief as an announcement, let alone to be now, what, like six months on from it actually following through. It's terrifying that we have elected fossil fuels as our economic recovery strategy. That is the single thing that will be remembered of this era in 20 or 30 years. When those in charge and taking account for how we arrived to the world situation at that point, will see so transparently what Australia was doing. And by that time, it'll be pretty transparent why they do it. When members of the, in, in air quotes, Liberal Party, and let's just return to the fact that Liberal Party, it's the most ultimate greenwashing of all, because what's liberal to you about a party full of right-wing conservative old white men? Um, not much. So we'll be looking at what the Liberal Party of Australia was doing um, to contribute to solving the climate crisis, and it was burning heaps more coal and gas into the future where they think they're they think they're making the right decision as well that's the most frustrating thing that I try and always remind myself is these people think they're making the right decisions if you want to actually I think that before revisiting this please go back and listen to juice I think I called it juicy sausage face 
we were talking about Barnaby Joyce and, and Watergate and how how much water has been stolen from the Murray Darling system and then siphoned, like money being siphoned off to nefarious accounts in the Cayman Islands set up by cabinet members and stuff. Well, nothing sus here. Um, but listen to Juicy Sausage Face because in that we talked about trying to rationalize these crazy environmentally unjust happenings. Um, because the people that are doing them think it's the right thing to do, but they're just thinking in terms of money and they're just thinking in terms of until the next election, basically. So flawed from the get-go, but headlines like government's own report raises questions about coal seam gas proposal near contaminated site. I click on those ones for sure. But if I see a headline like this one today, what is this? Six headlines down. Why is Prince Harry allowed to leave quarantine for Prince Philip's funeral? I don't give a shit, okay? (laughs) I know, so disrespectful to the monarchy, but how much do you really respect it, apart from noticing the Queen's head on every coin every time you have cash, which is not often these days? Like, we're so far away from it here. I don't give a shit. And um, actually, I think I posted about that on Instagram recently, that the only thing I care about Meghan Markle is that she calls him Harry. And it sounds like she's calling him Harry, and he kind of is Harry. He's a Harry dude. And that's that's it. That's all I care about. And Meghan Markle, actually. Meghan Markle's fucked herself. Do you know why as well? Here's what no one is talking about, and here is why you tune into Self Talk to get the real important news. <laughs> and it's because Meghan Markle is so good at acting that now it's like, hey, hey, lady, how am I supposed to take anything you say seriously now when I know that you can fake it that well? It's like all actors that do that, where it's like, yes, you're amazing. You're a, you're a wonderful talent. Thank you for transporting me on this story so vividly. Um, I'm never going to believe a single word you say now. And maybe that's what's in Hemsey's head, actually, when I like, maybe that's something he's thinking about and he's afraid of for when we eventually make contact. Because um, I keep seeing him. I'm, I definitely saw him out at the surf the other day. Oh, my God. Maybe Hemsey was dressed up as the bra boy. Whoa! Well, I'm pretty sure it could have been because both of these blokes are jacked, okay? So they could have been the same fella. And and Hemsy's got access, guys. You know Chris Hemsworth has someone in his phone that he could just call up and say, hey, 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 um, I've just seen Rolls suiting up. Um, I'm going to go out and just try and initiate some sort of contact. Um, I might pretend to drop in on him or something or, or just like identify myself to him in the lineup. But I need quickly, I need some makeup done. I need an amazing bra boys tap that looks like it's been weathered by 20 years of sunshine and fights. And, and then you know he's got someone that'll do that for him. And then he just gets it done and then he just paddles out and... Wow, I bet that was him. But maybe this is why Hemsey's so afraid to talk to me after we ran into each other in Byron Bay. Um, because maybe he realizes that I can see that like he's worried if I'll take him seriously because he's such a good actor. And that's something, Hemsey, if you're listening, bro, I'm sorry. I hadn't I'm sorry it's taken me so long to actually consider this as a factor in our relationship. Um, because that's horrible for you, bro. I feel I feel horrible for you that like that's this level of anxiety and depth of thought that you're going into about our eventual introduction that I might not take you seriously because I've seen how good of an actor you are. And then I just wonder whether you're just acting at me when when you're actually being genuine and stuff. And hey, I promise, dude, my I've got a good read on people. okay, and we can talk about it face to face. We'll acknowledge it. We'll figure out a way for this not to hinder our friendship because, dude, this shouldn't be in the way of you and I being best friends. 
So uh, maybe, hopefully you are listening to this and whenever we next cross paths will be the time that we actually go, okay, costume's off. Cut, cut. Good take, everyone. Take five. And, and, and you and I can just be like, okay, bro. And, and we'll go from there, hopefully. Um, but, you know, like I've said before, Hamzy, take as much time as you need. I'm always going to be here for you. Um, poor guy, right? Like people take you seriously when you're crying, don't they? They so do. When, like, because most people can't fake cry and don't fake cry because why would you if there's not 15 cameras on you? And whilst there's some sociopaths out there, I'm sure, the people who are like Matthew McConaughey, Tom Cruise is a really good example where it's like that guy's just so far off the deep end with how good he is at acting combined with how out there his religious philosophies are that now it's like, I'm so sorry, man, but you're going to have to work so hard for people to take you seriously now. So, so hard. And he does, doesn't he? Jumps out of helicopters, does all his own stunts at the age of 50, whatever. And and he's a boss. He's an absolute boss. He's this tiny, tiny, tiny little boss. And... Um, I feel sorry for him too, because wouldn't that suck? Wouldn't that suck to get to that level of fame or like renown where you can't walk down the street without someone coming up to you and saying something to you. And the first thing that comes into your head every time anyone says something to you is what is this person maybe trying to get out of me? Is this real right now? And also knowing that they're going to have to be figuring that out about you too. (laughs) Oh, man, Megan Markle, Hemsey, Cruzy, bah. I got your back, guys. We're, we're, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to make sure that all of us know what the go is as far as mental health. And the, you know what the go is? It's fucking diverse. And and it'll always there'll always be something you haven't thought about. <laughs> that's the, I guess that's today's lesson. Um, I should probably get out of here. No, we had one more important thing to do before I go. This episode's feature of dumb shit. We need it. We need some sort of intro tune for that. Maybe we can just go to the sound gourd for an intro um, right now. Hey guys, guess what? It's time for this week's episode of dumb shit. That's got me all excited now. <laughs> and <laughs> this week we are talking about soft plastics in the recycling bin. And I mean, this is this is some really dumb shit. This is some of the dumbest, most infuriating shit. You know when like, and you know why I say it? Because I reckon it might be less than one in 100 recycling bins that I open, including in my own apartment complex, mind you. Ours are pretty good, actually. Um, But like public recycling bins, I reckon it's less than one in 100 that I open up and don't see soft plastic in. And it's just like, what the fuck else can we do the lid is bright yellow there's another bin right there and another one right next to it like what's the like it's so easy to just not put stuff in there it's slightly less easy to hold on to your soft plastics and dispose of them thoughtfully at the supermarket but hey that's very fucking easy as well and and i'm just so i'm just so over it and i don't know what to do about it man it sucks it's the most deflating thing and because you're just like, well, this this is going in a truck with got how many other bins? 300? And they're all going in there, getting compacted into the one load that is now going to be contaminated. So why am I bothering? Why am I losing sleep over this? What like it sucks, man. It sucks so much. 
And I read a thing not long ago about a trial conducted on, I think it was the Sunshine Coast up in Noosa. And this is going to blow your mind as it has just blown mind, blown mind, mind in um, thinking about this again, that this experiment is the solution. Transparent wheelie bins. Think about it. See-through wheelie bins. I think they did this this um, trial in some council. I think it might have been Noosa. Um, and it had this very visible, measurable impact on how diligent people were with sorting their rubbish out properly because it was on display for their neighbours. And so why are we not doing that? Why are we not following through on that straight away? Instead, we make them black. <laughs> what? Black or dark green? Like, why? When we could make them see-through and just that little thing would make us all a bit more accountable. And it seems like such an obvious solution because it's so so disheartening. I remember, actually, I'll tell you something crazy. I remember back in the day I... um. I was pissed on a, uh, on a on my way home from a night out and I was drinking a beer and then I went to put it in the recycling bin of um, that I found outside this house, a very flash house, mind you, like big rendered concrete, stainless steel, glass, like very modern, very sort of big. And um, anyway, I opened up that bin and found, sure enough, found it so full of soft plastic. And yeah, there were other bins to choose from and stuff, but I was like just looking at this bin and then looking up at this house with with two Audis, you know, parked in the carport and just going, just going. Well, fuck me. Holy fuck. Fuck me. Actually, just that last one, just the angry one, just going like, ah. Oh. Fuck me. Because if these people can't do it with all these resources at their disposal, then how on earth is anyone else supposed to do it who's living a, a much harder lifestyle in a tough neighbourhood with, with way, 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 way less money, therefore way, 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 way less opportunity to make a significant difference towards conservation and living more sustainably on behalf of the entire world's community? If these people aren't doing it, then what the fuck, you know? And then, anyway, I wrote a blog article about it and a mate of mine, like, chewed me out over, over it, actually, at a dinner table, which I was mortified about because I stood by the point. I was like, well, no, I thought that was really unacceptable. And he's like, where do you get off picking through people's bins and shit? And I was like, yeah, well, when you put it like that, um, yeah, fair point. Sounds pretty bad. I was pissed on a night out, thinking about climate change, finishing my beer. And, hey, thinking about climate change at 1.30 a.m., do you do that? Does anyone else do that? Because if you don't, then hopefully that's a mitigating factor for the way my Brian melts and and what happened in this situation. But he really rinsed me about it. And I kind of felt bad about like, well, fuck, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Like I shouldn't have made a judgment or I shouldn't have even like used their bin. But also, oh, I don't know. It got to me, guys. It got to me. And just soft plastics in, in recycling bins is just this such a basic symbol of our willingness to do stuff about climate change to do stuff to make the world a better place. And it's so disheartening. So I think the transparent wheelie bin idea is a game changer. And I don't know why we haven't implemented it anywhere, everywhere rather, not just train stations and plane, sta plane stations and train ports, you know, like there's transparent bins there. They're for different reasons, but they're kind of for the same reason, which is so you can see what's in them. And if, if we can apply that dynamic more towards shame in our communities and, and have that as the kick up the bum we need for our neighbours to be accountable to our neighbours as the impetus to actually 
do something really basic that will make a significant difference, then I think that's it. But if you've got a better idea, then hit me up because we got to do something about that. And hopefully I'll do something more than just whinge about it to use. And hopefully more councils will find that report. And maybe I should suggest it to my local council. Okay, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll make a commitment to this. I'll make this commitment to you right now on this podcast that I will write into my local council suggesting this, citing the study, and I will tell you what they say. And that'll be fun. I think I am. I think I should go now. I think I am done. I think like we need to revisit the what we started here, which is like, don't be rude. Hey, yeah, don't be rude, man. Don't glare at people, smile at people, talk to them, say hello, compliment them. Like it's such an easy thing to do. And I think when we're all feeling better, the world's going to start feeling better really quickly too. Like that's really what I'm getting at here with self-talk. And you've probably picked that up by now that, yeah, it's it's about like <laughs> therapy for roles and all that and just getting all the shit out so that there's room for more next week. Um, my brain, that is. Um, my brain, that is. Um but, but this is also about me getting after this philosophy that our mental health is so directly interlinked with the physical health of our planet, with our environmental health. Like mental is in the word environmental. And so I think when we're feeling happier, I think we're better people. And that includes being a better person to nature. And in fact, like I go a step further and, and, and I make a podcast in, in a secret closet, you know? <laughs> and 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 I and I whinge every week about climate change, hoping that it'll rev other people up to, you know, have a whinge about it and do stuff about it themselves. And and I pick up rubbish and I you know convert fire trucks to run on waste vegetable oil and all that shit is literally just because it makes my mental health better, guys. Seriously, it's not just because these are environmentally responsible things for me to do. It's because I have identified that they make me feel better. And the better I feel, the nicer I am, the more I do of it. And I'm guessing that if you've almost hit an hour, are we over an hour in this podcast right now? Wow, that's the first time this has happened. If you're here right now, this is very exciting because you've got all the way here, which means that you're the same. You're fired up and you're going to go out and do stuff to make the world a better place. You're going to go out, encourage your friend, be that annoying friend who, 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 who everyone's annoyed with, but also can't really be annoyed with because the stuff you say is valid. Like if you see a friend of yours using a single use coffee cup, just be like, Hey, I got you a cup. And it'll be kind of annoying for them because they'll be like, and then I had to carry it around all day. And then I had to wash it out. And then I didn't wash it out. And then you gave me shit for it and blah, blah, blah. But like, okay, you got to be willing to be that person. Don't you? You so do. There's no time to be anybody else. And if and if those if you're mates with people that whinge like that, they need you. They need you to be that person. So you don't you don't need me to tell you that. You already are that person. So thanks for being you. What a cool sentiment to finish this podcast on. Thanks for being you. Thank you for hitting play. And I'll talk to you again in a bit. Cool and nice. See ya.